listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Yesterday, we began this series um, on overcoming these five obstacles to financial freedom. It's mind-blowing to me that it's, number one, it's God's desire that his children be blessed financially. But number one, so many Christians don't believe it, but many Christians are not walking in it. That's why we're doing the series, because though God wants it for you, it's just like he wants healing for you but not every Christian's healed. It's just like he wants peace and joy for you, but not every Christian is walking in peace and joy. It's just like he wants salvation for all people. The Bible says he's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, he wants people to be saved, but not everybody's saved and not everybody will be saved. Um, The Bible says that he died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the entire world. And so that's, though that's his desire, not everybody is saved and not everybody will be saved. And in the same way, salvation and healing and peace and joy are his desire for you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, financial blessing is his desire for you. God wants you to be blessed financially. In fact, I want to encourage you because maybe you grew up in a denomination or a church that never taught this. I want you to literally say it out loud and let yourself hear yourself say it. God wants me to be financially blessed. You can put it in the comments. You can write it in your notes, but say it out loud. God wants me to be financially blessed. And there's not any question about that. There's not any question about that. God wants you and every believer to be financially blessed. I mean, there are people that, you know, they'd not even be considered prosperity preachers. They would be against prosperity preaching, but they would agree with me and have done so in writing like R.C. Sproul, who was a reformed, I believe Presbyterian, reformed Presbyterian, uh, who had been totally against uh, the message of prosperity and all that, but agrees in writing that it is God's desire to bless his children financially. You know, you think about it. God is a loving heavenly father. Jesus taught that. A loving heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts to those who ask him. And he made that point. And so it's not just some small opinion of a few. This is what the Bible teaches. God has set up a system for you to be blessed financially. A system called sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. But you know, that's not the only thing. So yesterday... I covered, and if you missed this, you have to go back and definitely watch yesterday's broadcast because I dealt with uh, the natural limitations that hold you back from either uh, enjoying the financial blessing of heaven or experiencing the financial blessing of heaven. You don't want to get blessed and put your blessing into a bag with holes so that it's all seeping out the bottom. You want to be able to properly steward what God's put in your hand. And many people don't do that. We covered three things yesterday uh, in this one point, A, B, and C, we covered yesterday. If you missed it, please go back and watch it. It will help you immensely. 
Because there's many people, they're givers, God is blessing them, but they, at, the, at the end, it doesn't look like they have anything to show for it. Well, there's a reason for that. And it's not because God's not blessing. It's not because there's not increase coming, but it's because they're mishandling what God has put into their hands. And I dealt with three areas yesterday that you have to, have to uh, cover in your own personal life if you want to see the blessings of heaven abound. And so today we're dealing with part two. Um, and this is very, very important. I, I texted you this morning and said, you know, this is something that this whole series will help you. But this, this series is something that uh, changed my life and Carolyn's life, changed us forever, changed us forever. To the point where we were in a place of not, I mean, we were, we were the same. We were, we were those Christians that were in debt and credit card debt and all that. And God brought us out supernaturally and, um, changed our lives. I mean, literally changed our lives forever. God will do the same for you. It's not something that he only does for an elite few. He's just looking for faithful, obedient people. And I'm sharing with you some of these things that uh, from the word of God that are roadblocks block, that kept us and keep everybody from receiving this kind of blessing. But now when you understand them properly, it's like, you know, yesterday I talked about the fact that people don't even know where their money's going. It's mind blowing. There's people who say, well, I need God to give me a financial miracle. You don't know where your money's going now. And one of the things we kind of stole this from uh, Dave Ramsey, who often says, if you don't tell your money where to go, you will wonder where it went. If you don't tell your money where to go, you will wonder where it went. And so many people, they don't need a financial miracle. They need to properly steward what God's put in their hand. And I told some stories about that yesterday. Today, I want to deal with a different aspect. We know that God has set up this system of sowing and reaping. Good morning, James. We know that God has set up seed time and harvest and that that system will not cease. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. And so God set the system up. But I want to show you something because sometimes people enter into the system in a wrong way. Now, God blesses you for your giving, but I want you to see something today that will help you so much. I'm going to break a mindset today that, uh, the religious thinking of church has put on so many people a mindset that needs to be broken. It absolutely needs to be broken. And so we're going to break it today and show you what the word of God teaches instead. But no question, we, we engage in seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. But one of the lies that you've probably heard, it's preached a lot. It's said a lot. The lie that says, um, you know, we don't, how many know we don't give to get? We actually had somebody say that to us this week. You know, we don't give to get. That's not how the system works. We give because we love God. We give because it's our duty. I do give because I love God. I do give because it's a requirement as a Christian. But I also know that I do give to get. I do give with the expectation to receive. Good morning, Caitlin. And so I want you to write that in the comments. Put it in your notes. I do give to get. Put do in all caps. Put it in all caps. I do give to get. Pop it in the comments today. Say it out loud. I do give to get. Why do I give to get? Am I greedy? No. Am I a lover of money? No. 
Have I, have I taken on the pleasures of this world and abandoned the kingdom of God? No. I'm simply doing what the Bible says to do. I do give to get. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Jess. Good morning, Britt. I do give to get. So oh, that sounds that 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 sounds so greedy, brother. You're just money focused. No, I'm doing what the Bible teaches. I'm doing what the Bible teaches. Let's cover some of this stuff so that people can understand why we talk like this. Why do we say this? If it's not based on the Word of God, I don't want any part of it. So if we can't back this mindset up from Scripture, rightly divided Scripture, then we should abandon it. Anything that you cannot back up by rightly dividing Scripture and seeing it in God's Word, abandon it. You should abandon it immediately. Immediately. And so I want to back this up from the Word of God today so that you can see that it's God's expectation that when you give financially, you should have a great expectation to receive a harvest financially. Absolutely. And when you do give, you should do so always with that expectation in mind. Always. You should never give flippantly. I want to make sure I don't knock anything out. If, if that was my fault yesterday, we knocked the audio out. Um, my legs are always moving under the table. I'm like doing like I'm running as I'm teaching to you. Um, but <laughs> it's like I can hear your legs shaking. Um, we should always give with a great expectation to receive. You say, why do you say that? Well, let's, let's talk about it from Scripture. Let's go to some Scriptures. And, uh, and then let's look at some examples in the Scripture. First of all, as God said in the book of Genesis chapter 8, um, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. All right. So God is the one who created the system of sowing and reaping. So that's the first thing you need to understand. Somebody said, I love your shirt. Thank you. This is vacation, Ted. <laughs> welcome, welcome to vacation. Um, number one, put it in your notes. God is the one who created seed time and harvest. It's his system. He created the earth. He created seed time and harvest. So number one, God created the system of seed time and harvest. Now, when we look at that passage in the book of Genesis during that that early part of the earth, we of course know that he's talking about, uh, this is God's covenant with Noah. And after the flood takes place, God is making a promise or a covenant to Noah. And God says, I'll never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I've done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So get this in your heart. Those words were uttered to Noah after God judged the earth, destroyed the earth, destroyed the creatures. He said, I'll never again curse the ground. I'll never again destroy the living creatures. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. So it's God's system. It's God's system of seed time and harvest. And he's the one who promised that as long as the earth is here, seed time and harvest will be in effect. Okay, so if it's God's system, 
That means that the devil has nothing to do with it. The devil has nothing to do with the system of seed time and harvest. Nothing. It's God's system. It's God's system. But God didn't stop there. Because even you come into the New Testament. Now, giving existed, obviously, in the Old Testament. Tithing existed in the Old Testament. Blessing the poor existed in the Old Testament. Free will offerings, or what we call offerings or giving, it existed in the Old Testament. It's not new because we came into the New Testament. It's been around for thousands of years. But when you come over into the New Testament, remember something, that all of Scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God. Everything we read in the Bible came out of God's mouth. Everything. Everything. Not just the words of Jesus, not just the New Testament. All of Scripture is breathed out by God. So, and the words, we don't just believe the thoughts are inspired, we believe the words are inspired. Paul's teaching the Galatians in Galatians chapter 6. Now, I want you to get this in your spirit. And he's teaching about giving financially. He's teaching about giving your own resources to those who teach you the word. Look at this. Galatians 6, 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, that will he also reap. Notice that. And then in verse 9 he says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. What's that in context of? Giving. For in due season we'll reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those that are of the household of faith. So let, let's, let's break this down. The moment that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to tell the church that what they were doing when they give resources, whether that be money, whether that be food, whatever they're giving, he makes it very plain that whatever a person sows, 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 God had him use that verbiage, whatsoever a man sows, and this is in context of giving, right? This is literally in context of giving an offering to someone who just preached to you or taught you the word. Whatever a person sows, that's the thing that he will also reap. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. His system will not be mocked. Whatever a person sows. So the moment the Apostle Paul said that, it's the Holy Spirit letting us know that whatever we give, it is a seed. It's not a donation. It's not just us being nice. It's not just us helping someone out. No, anything we give is a seed. And I want you to put that in the comments and put it in your notes. Whatever I give is a seed. That's a, there's a difference between a seed and a donation. A seed is planted and produces a harvest. A seed is planted and produces a harvest. So when Paul is teaching the church in Galatia that whatever a person sows, that's the thing they'll also reap. He's showing them that you're giving is not a donation. It's not just something you're doing to be nice. It is a seed. Now, he's speaking to a group of people that live in what we would call an agrarian society. That's a farming culture. They were living in a farming culture. And I'm going to tell you something. He knew what he was saying. 
even though he was being inspired by the Holy Ghost. He knew what he was telling them. He knew what they did. He knew they were growing and growing food and every, everybody understood stood that. What, what does a farmer do? A farmer plants. But a farmer never plants a seed without an expectation to get a harvest. Because even a farmer knows that what I'm planting is going to produce a very specific harvest. If I want tomato plants and tomato fruit, I have to plant tomato seeds. I have to. If I want to create a grove of orange trees and have a harvest of oranges, I have to plant orange seeds. That's exactly how it works. And it, and it doesn't matter how much you would prefer watermelons to grow up, they're not going to grow. Orange trees are going to grow with oranges on the trees because you can't get a watermelon from orange seeds. You can't get an orange from tomato seeds. And so understand this, uh, that when I sow seed, when I'm giving whatever a man sows, that means that anything I sow is going to produce that type of harvest. Amen. I've seen it work in my own life. I know how it works. In the same way that you have to plant a specific seed for a specific harvest, God honors that. Same thing. I've given watches away before. You know what I expect to come back? Watches. I'm telling you. And it's happened over and over and over and over. I've seen it very specifically. If I'm sewing watches into somebody, if I'm giving away watches, guess what's going to come back to me? Watches are. Because that's the seed I sowed. That's the kind of harvest that's coming back. And I've had it happen many, many times. If I'm sewing shoes, giving people shoes, buying people shoes, guess what's coming back to me? Shoes. Amen. No. Seed is seed, Elizabeth. Seed is seed. What a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Your seed goes into the ground, goes into the soil, and comes back as a harvest. So watch this now. Paul's very clear that whatever you sow, that's the thing you're going to reap. So what is he doing? He's building in their minds an expectation to receive. Isn't that interesting? Paul is building in their minds, their spirits, their hearts, an expectation to receive. He's saying, don't just give for no reason. Don't just give for no reason. Give with an expectation that whatsoever a man sows. This was not a foreign idea to them. They were, they were that whole, you know, there was no Walmart to run to. <laughs> you couldn't go down to the grocery store. You know, they, they didn't have it back then. They had farming communities that produced crops that people lived on. Whether they bought them from somebody that was farming or however it was done, they knew the food is coming from the ground. Even if you're breeding animals for slaughter, you can't produce horses by breeding cows. You can't produce horses by breeding cows. Jennifer says, I've heard pastors say, if you don't like the harvest you're getting, Change the seed you're sowing. That's exactly right. Pastor Josh Van Hook, very powerful. If you don't like the harvest you're getting, change the seed you're sowing. Why? Because a harvest comes from the seed that's planted to produce it. 
A, a seed always produces after its own kind. That's why we're saying that. You can't get horses by breeding cows. You can't get cats by breeding dogs. Amen. And so, uh, Elizabeth, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with that, um, that question. I don't know if I'll deal with it today, but Elizabeth said, I've also heard that if you sow into bad soil, you forfeit your harvest. I'm going to deal with that um, in a separate, I think, video this week. Maybe I'll get to it today, but stay tuned because that's an important question and I want to answer it from the Bible. I really do because I've heard it a lot as well, Elizabeth. I've heard that a lot and we're going to see what the Bible says about it. So um, Paul told the Galatians, your giving is seed. And he did it in such a way that he said, whatsoever you sow, that's the thing you're going to reap. Do not grow weary of doing good. What is that? You're sowing. For in due season, if you faint not, you're going to reap a harvest. Okay. So now what he's doing, he's painting in their spirit, in their mind, a picture that when you give to God, you should expect, you should expect a harvest to come back. I'll just be very plain with you and be very honest. I never give anything. I'll never give anything without an expectation to receive. I never give anything without an expectation to receive, ever, ever. I'll never just flippantly give something to God. Never do it. Every time I give, I give with an expectation that a harvest is coming back, a large harvest. You say, how can you expect a large harvest? Because number one, I sow significant seeds which is what we're going to cover right now. So look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, same writer, the Apostle Paul, now encouraging a different church, Galatia, which is in uh, modern-day Turkey, but now the Corinthians in Greece, Corinth. And he's dealing with the same point. He's actually receiving an offering. He's actually receiving an offering for the Christians in Jerusalem from the Christians in Greece, in Corinth. And this is what he says, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. Listen to this very carefully. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense if you understand that God's system is seed time and harvest. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. All right, that's the ESV. Let me read to you from the New Living Translation as well, just to give you a little bit more perspective. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, a farmer who only plants a few seeds will get a small crop. But, the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So there it is. It's this mindset, you sow small, you get small harvests. You sow largely, you get large harvests. Now, I want to say something here because you may ask yourself the question like me, well, what's a, what's a small seed? What's a large seed? Because the moment you hear that, right, he that sows sparingly, he that plants a small cr uh, crop, uh, a small seed. What does that mean? What is a small offering? 
What is, what is a small seed? What is a large seed? What's a large offering? Here's an important thing to know and understand, and I can back this up biblically, and I will, with the words of Jesus. It's always relative to who you are. I want to say that again. A large seed is always relative to who I am and where I am. This is so important that I'm going to say it again, and I want you to write it down, put it in the comments. A large seed is always relative to who I am and where I am. You say, well, how, how, do you, how do you back that up from the Bible? I'm going to show you. Everyone's seed is relative to who they are and where they are. Not everybody's at the same place or level, which means what could be big to someone could be very small to someone else. Let me say that again. What could be large and take a lot of faith for someone to sow, it could actually be very small for someone else. And then what could be very large for someone could be literally impossible for someone else. The way that I know this is because what the Bible teaches is Jesus was standing in the temple one day. And I'm sure you know this story. Jesus was standing in the temple one day watching people give their offerings. And I'm actually, because I don't know it off the top of my head, I should. Um, but I'm going to give you the, the uh, reference. Um, Luke 21. Let's go there. And we'll come back to 2 Corinthians in a minute. Luke 21. Luke 21.1, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. Because she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Woo, there it is. There it is. Let me show you the, uh, if you're looking for the parallel, Mark chapter 12. Let's go there. Mark chapter 12. Listen to this. This is Mark 12, 41. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing into the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. She, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So I want you to, to get this in your spirit now. This is very important to know. What is a large offering? What is a large seed? What is a small seed? It is based on who you are and where you are currently financially. So what do you mean by that? You can never just go by an amount and say, well, a large offering is $1,000. Is it? 
To some people, it is a large offering. But what about to somebody that has $700,000 in the bank? What about somebody that's got $2 million? Is $1,000 a large offering? No, it's not. It's a meaningless offering because they don't feel it. They don't even send, they don't even see it. They don't even see it. So it's not a large offering. People say, man, $100 is a large offering. Is it? Is $100 a large offering? Does $100 move your faith? See, these are the questions you have to ask yourself. My wife and I have been doing this now for decades. Does this move my faith? If I put this $100 in the offering plate, am I going to even feel it? That's why I tell you the story all the time about how when I was watching Christian TV one time, that guy was saying, if you'll call in now and so change your destiny with a $66 seed and a six-month healing anointing will come upon your life. Well, I got mad for several reasons. The first one was the anointing has no expiration date. That's the first one. A six-month healing anointing? That's ludicrous. That's heresy. The anointing has no expiration date. That's the first reason I was mad about what he said. Second reason I was mad about what he said is because you can't buy healing by sowing a seed or an offering. There's no financial offering you can give to receive your healing. It doesn't work that way. Healing was purchased by Jesus Christ through his crucifixion. And it doesn't require a financial offering to receive your healing. That's crooked. That's crooked. So that's the second reason I was angry. But the third reason I was angry is because you can't give a blanket amount of money to people and tell them they're going to change their destiny, change their destiny with an offering, especially an offering that is $66. Now for the average person, and I mean not just average, but for the majority of people in America, $66 is not an offering of faith by any means. People spend more than that when they take their family to dinner and they're not fasting and praying to have to get the faith to, receive, to release that amount of money at a, at a Longhorn Steakhouse. And that's why, I mean, I've joked about that. I've spent more money than that in the Taco Bell drive-thru. You know, $66, please. People spend more than that on shoes. They spend more. I mean, when you're walking around with a $1,000 phone in your hand, $66 for most people is a meaningless offering. So why are you talking about these things? Because people need to understand that it's possible to give an offering that's pleasing to God and it's possible to give an offering that's displeasing to God. It's, it displeases God when we do things that don't require faith, that don't activate faith. That's why I was upset. I said $66. I could call in right now and so $66. It's not changing my destiny. And I'm going to tell you, it's not going to change people's destiny. Now, if you're in that position where, and there are people, don't let me gloss over that. There are people that are in a position where $66 would take all of the faith they had to release that into the kingdom. I get that, and I'm not belittling that. In the same way that Jesus would not belittle this woman's offering, though she gave two copper coins that looked like it's next to nothing. But Jesus had a word of knowledge. He said she just gave everything she had to live on. Okay, so then here's the question then. How do we determine what is large and what is small? Here's how we determine it. The same way Jesus determined it. He understood that it's not about what we give, it's about what's left over afterward. 
That's what Jesus is looking at. That's what God is looking at. The ratio of what you give versus what you have. Whoo! I wish, I wish people could take a hold of this. I wish people could take a hold of this right now. This, and I know you are, but I'm saying in the body of Christ at large, I wish people understood this principle. God judges what we give by the ratio of what we have, not by the actual dollar amount. He didn't look at her dollar amount and say, well, she only gave two copper coins. What a small offering. He said, no, she just gave relative to what she had, everything she had. And as a result, what did Jesus say? She just gave more than these rich people did. She just gave more than these rich people. What, in, in, how? Not in dollar amount, in relation to what she had. That's why if you want to really challenge your faith, if you want to please God with a faith offering, you got to look at where am I at? Does what I'm giving move my faith or does it not? See, because how can we give with an expectation for a great blessing to come back to us if what we're doing doesn't even require that, that kind of faith? How can we do that? It doesn't make sense. So, so notice when we read 2 Corinthians here, and when he says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully, what does that mean? In relation to where you are. In relation to where you are. You know, for some people, let, let me throw out a dollar amount. If I said, uh, you know, today I'm believing that you're going to sow $100,000. There's people watching that you have no ability, even if you wanted to, you've got no ability to sow $100,000. So I can say, well, I think that's a large seed. Okay. Well, maybe that is to me. Maybe that is to others. But for you, that's not a large seed. That's an impossible seed. That's an impossible seed. So you put a dollar amount on it and say, well, I'm believing that you're going to sow. There's people... Even if you made it a smaller number than that and said, I'm believing today people are going to sow 10,000. Now there's people that are watching that could give $10,000 and it would move their faith. It would move their faith. There's others. It's still an impossible seed. You're not at a place right now where you can sow a $10,000 seed. So then how do we determine what is he who sows sparingly, he who sows bountifully? The way that we know it is by where we are. The question is, is it bountiful to me? Is it sparing? Am I sowing sparingly from my situation? It's all based upon where you're at currently. It's based upon what God has put in your hand. Remember, he gives seed to the sower. So the seed's already in your hand. The question is, will you release it? And you never have to wonder or pray about your tithe. What should, be, what should my tithe be this month? We know what our tithes are. 10% of what our increase is. I don't pray about my tithe. I calculate it. <laughs> Amen. Please put that in the comments. That's, that's something. If you want to share that on your social media, share it. We'll provide something for you with a graphic like we did yesterday. I don't pray about my tithe. I calculate it. I don't pray about what my tithe should be. I calculate it. Amen. I don't pray about what my tithe should be. I calculate it. Amen. Why? It's 10%. We know what the tithe is. It's like I've had people come up to me like, well, brother, I just, I, I've just been, I, I feel to tithe. I tithe about 7%. No. <laughs> tithe means 10th. It means 10%. I don't pray about what I should tithe. I calculate it. Amen. 
I don't pray about what I should tithe. I calculate it. But it's my offering. See, my offering, that's why Paul, let me keep going here. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one, each person must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. What does that mean? The moment you start to give reluctantly, the moment you start to give because someone pressured you into giving, it steals the joy of your giving. You don't even come in with expectation. Now you just feel like, oh, they're pressuring me to give again. Oh, another pressure. No, that's why we don't put pressure on people. We put pressure on the word of God. We know that the word is true. Amen. And so we let the Holy Spirit guide people. We let the Holy Spirit direct people. And then they decide in their heart whether or not to obey. And then look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he's distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now look at verses 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11. Very important. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread, to, bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Paul does not let up. Same way he did with the Galatians, he does with the Corinthians, paints a picture of expectation on their hearts and on their minds. He doesn't just tell them, you're to give, you're to sow. Decide in your heart. Let the Lord guide you, lead you, not under uh, compulsion or pressure or manipulation. Decide for yourself and do it cheerfully. And when you do, do you know, do you notice Paul didn't have any issue writing what he wrote by, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He didn't feel convicted. The Lord didn't say, hey, stop that. Stop telling those people that. You'll be enriched in every way. For what? For your giving. You'll be enriched in every way. To be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God, it's not like Paul came up with the prosperity gospel and said, I'm going to start teaching stuff the Lord never told me to say and get these people to start giving more. No, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul's writing and he told them, after you've given your gift, after you've sown your seed, you will be enriched in every way. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. He's painting the picture of what? Expectation. That's what I'm teaching on today. This is number two. People give with no expectation. And can I tell you, because people give with no expectation, they allow themselves to release pitiful seeds. Woo! They're just giving donations. They're tipping God. Because people give with no expectation, they don't understand the system of seed time and harvest. Then what happens? They allow themselves to release pitiful seeds. And what happens? It's the kind of harvest that comes back. Pitiful seed, pitiful harvest. Pitiful seed, pitiful harvest. That's how it works. That's why he said, if you sow sparingly, again, in relation to where you're at, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, in relation to where you're at, you'll reap bountifully. That's why my wife and I, we keep this in our minds all the time. We keep it in front of our eyes. You know, when I was getting ready to sow this last week, 
even from the church. You know, because if you've got a business, sow from your business. If you've got a ministry, sow from your ministry. If you're, you know, obviously we should all sow personally from our own, uh, you know, work and everything. But I don't stop there. I don't just give um, personally. Our church is a, is a sowing church. Our church is a sowing church. Amen. Our church is a sowing church. And so I want you to see this now. Give with an expectation. But if you don't have expectation, if you don't understand you're activating God's system, what happens? Then you're flippantly just throwing things out and your sowing spirit doesn't take faith because you're not understanding the system of seed time and harvest. So my wife and I, we make up our minds. Okay, stay introspective about your giving. Stay introspective. What does that mean? Always be checking on yourself. Because what people get trapped in is sowing the same thing this has been my offering. They'll sow the same offering for many years. Oh, we always put $50 in the offering plate. Oh, do you? Does that take faith? Has God increased you? Does it still move your faith where you're at currently? Does it still move your faith where you're at currently? And so what my wife and I had to do is constantly take a look at ourselves. And I can remember, you know, I do remember the first time... <clears throat> that we ever sowed $1,000 as a, as a seed, not our tithe, as a seed above and beyond the tithe. Oh, I remember it clearly. We sowed $1,000. I remember the first time I ever did it personally. And I thought, man, this is going to take all the faith I have to release this seed. It's going to take everything I've got. And I remember doing that. And man, it did take all the faith I had at the time. It took all the faith I had at the time. But then what happened? Because of my giving, God started blessing me more and more and more. Started lifting me up higher and higher and higher. I got to a place, my wife and I, together, where we started to, re to realize that uh, a $1,000 seed no longer pushed the boundaries of our faith. And as Britt put in the comments, if you don't feel it when it leaves your life, you won't feel it when it comes back to your life. My uncle said that years ago. Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, I'll never forget that phrase. If you don't feel it when it leaves your life, you'll not feel it when it comes back. If you don't feel it when it leaves your life, you'll not feel it when it comes back. So we started to make that our, uh, uh, our standard. Okay, is this still taking faith to do? You know, I remember when I was younger and it was like $100. That was a large seed to release. I was like, man, that takes my faith to put that in. That takes my faith to release that. And boom, just by being obedient over and over and over, God lifted us up. And let me tell you, we weren't, I didn't wait until I had $50,000 in the bank and now we can sow a $1,000 seed. No, there were times I sowed $1,000 and, you know, I may have only had a few thousand dollars in the bank, $2,000, $3,000, but I felt God move me. I felt God speak to me. And I remember just releasing that saying, Lord, I'm standing on your word, trusting you, believing you. I'm sowing this seed by faith and did it. And the blessing comes back, comes back hard and lifts you up head and shoulders of where you used to be. And again, it's all relative to where God's placed you. Oh, then we, we got to that place where we realized, oh man, doesn't take the same faith anymore to release this type of seed. So what did we do? We began to release larger seeds. Why? God took us to higher levels. So we had to be introspective and say, okay, does this still take the same faith? No. 
All right, then what do we do? Let's start sowing a $2,500 seed. Let's start sowing $5,000 seed. Let's start sowing $10,000 seed. And just continued on as God increased and increased and increased it like that. And continue to lift us up. Continue to lift us up higher. Amen. And so you watch and you understand, this is God's system of sowing and reaping. What I've got in my hand is a seed. It's going to produce a harvest. So I'm giving it with what? Expectation. I'm giving it with expectation. So Paul, again, here's another instance where he paints that picture. You'll be enriched in every way. What did he say in Galatians? Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. There should be an expectation to reap any time you sow. That's not greed. That's God's expectation for his children. It's his system. If he didn't want us to live that way, he shouldn't have created the system and then encouraged us to engage his system. It's his idea, not our idea. Let me just say this. Prosperity is not man's idea. It's God's idea. Prosperity is not man's idea. It's God's idea. Amen. Write it down. Put it in the notes. Prosperity is not man's idea. It's God's idea. Luke 6, 38. You know it well, but what should we think when we read this? You say, oh, that's just about judging others. No, it's not. It's talking about multiple things at once. Luke, Luke 6, 37. Judge not, and you'll be not judged. Okay? Next, next topic. Condemn not, and you'll be not condemned. Next topic. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Next topic. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be put into your lap? For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Jesus deals with uh, three or four different things in that short period of time. Judging others, condemning others, forgiving others, giving. Four things in those two verses. Judging others, condemning others, forgiving others, giving. Four things. And when you give, and look at the immediate, immediate focus on expectation for a harvest. Give, and what? It shall be given unto you. It shall be given unto you. Prosperity is not man's idea. It's God's idea. Hallelujah. Amen, Yvonne. Your faith is huge. There's always should be an expectation for harvest anytime you release your seed. Anytime. Anytime. Well, this happened throughout the Bible. Prophets did this. The men of God did this. I mean, you look at the prophet Elijah in the middle of a drought, goes to meet that widow woman in Zarephath. What does he say to her? He knows that she's about to eat her last meal and die. He knows what's going on in the region. And he says, but before you do that, before you bake that cake for you and your son, before you do all that, bring me a morsel of bread in my hand first. And he says, and if you'll do that, if you'll do that, the jar of flour shall not be spent. Hallelujah. And the jug of oil shall not be empty. Until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. What did he do? He said, before you give, let me give you an expectation. That if you'll sow what that oil and flour will produce, and you'll put in my hand a little cake for me first. If you'll honor the anointing, if you'll honor God's man first, let me give you an expectation. Then the flour will not be spent and the oil will not run out. 
What is he doing? He's, he's painting in her spirit and her mind an expectation that if you'll put God first, multiplication will hit your life and the flower's not going to run out and the oil's not going to run out in Jesus' name. That's why I'm telling people, if you are a kingdom giver, if you're somebody that obeys the word, I don't care what's going on in the economy. I don't care what's going on in the culture. I don't care what's going on in the world. You're not on the world system. You're on God's system and you're going to be abundantly blessed. If you're somebody that's doing what Paul's saying, what Jesus is saying, what the Old Testament is saying, if you're somebody that's giving, sowing into the kingdom bountifully, you're going to be blessed. You would have to tear whole portions out of your Bible to say that that's untrue. There's people that apparently, it's funny how these people on YouTube and everywhere else, they'll use the same uh, hermeneutical rules when they're dividing scripture about what they believe. You come to speaking by faith, prayer, you know, uh, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, pray believe you receive them, you shall have them. Uh, you, you go through that speaking by faith confession. They tear it out. Well, that's not what that means. Okay. Well, we just use the same hermeneutical principles that you use and you even admit, people even admit, well, it does seem like it's a blank check for what things you pray and believe God for. God will answer your prayers. You come to these places with Paul encouraging people in their giving and specifically saying while receiving an offering, while talking about their giving, whatever you sow, you'll reap. That if you'll give and be obedient to what the Lord tells you to do, you'll be enriched in every way. Well, we don't give to get. That's heretical. We don't believe in blessing of the Lord financially. Well, then tear those parts out of your Bible because you don't believe what the Holy Spirit inspired in his word. You don't believe it. You refuse because you've been trained by some religious system and you've been trained by some dead men in a dead university that have no experience with the Holy Spirit. You have been trained to doubt God's word, not because of the proper hermeneutical principles, but because you've been trained to not believe that message because you think it's heretical. That's the spirit of religion. That's pharisaical. Might as well be a Pharisee. That you have taken men's traditions and made them the word of God. And that's why they don't believe the word of God and what it teaches plainly. You don't have to read into the passage. There's no eisegesis going on here. We're reading what Paul specifically said. If you'll sow, if you'll give, who's going to bless you back? God will. Who's going to bring the harvest? God will. And you'll be enriched in every way. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will he cause men to give into your bosom? You don't have to read anything into those scriptures. Anybody that would have read those in the early first century would have read that at face value and say, wow, if I give, there's a harvest coming back. Not to mention what I pointed out, that they're a farming culture. And they're using that verbiage on purpose by the Holy Spirit to speak about seeds and harvests because they already, they already understood seeds and harvests as farmers. They understood it. So he's using verbiage that they already are familiar with in their community so that they can understand how God's system works so that when they activate it, the same expectation they have in their fields, they will have in their lives for their giving. That's the whole point. You don't have to read anything into the Bible. You don't have to fake anything. You don't have to make anything up. This is how God's system operates. This is, and there's pastors that are afraid to preach the message of financial blessing because they've been backed into a corner. The same, for the same reason that they're afraid to talk about the transgender issue and the LGBTQ issue and the sin issue, all of the things that they're afraid to speak about. Why? Because there's pushback against it after you speak about it. There's persecution about it when you speak about it. They're afraid to be canceled by their board members and afraid to be canceled by their church members and afraid to offend people. 
It's plainly what the Word of God teaches. And, the re and I don't blame church people a lot of times. I blame preachers that have been too weak to preach, the, preach on tithing, preach on giving, preach on expectation, preach on the, the bountiful harvest God has set aside for people that will be just obedient to His Word. Amen. Are there abuses to the message? You better believe there's abuses to this message. But just because there's a... Let me say this. There's abuses to every message. There are abuses to the message of salvation. There's abuses to the message of healing. There are abuses to the message of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's people that preach that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. That's an abuse. That's not in the Bible. That's heretical. There's people that, that teach that your actions don't matter and that you can do whatever you want and still call yourself a child of God and be saved. That's an abuse. That's heretical. It's not in the Bible. As I taught earlier, there's people that teach you can give money and buy your healing. That's heretical. That's not in the Bible. But just because there's abuses to a message does not negate the actual genuine message that's taught by the apostles and by Christ himself, taught through the Old Testament. That's God's system. Give with expectation. Sow with expectation. Just like the prophet was getting the woman to understand, if you do this first, have an expectation, God's going to do this. That's what the apostles were doing to the early church. Having them understand, God blesses you abundantly for your abundant giving. That's how it works. I'm tired of pastors and preachers being scared to preach this. And I'm tired of the double standard of these uh, guys that, that slam Pentecostal charismatic preachers as though we're making up something that doesn't exist in the Bible when the Bible plainly teaches it. When Jesus plainly taught it, the apostles plainly taught it. The early church plainly understood it and believed it and activated it. But you want to tear it out because you don't believe the message, but you've taken the vain traditions of men and elevated them above the word of God. And that's exactly, that is exactly what preachers who do that are doing. And they should be ashamed and the Bible says they should be ashamed. That's why Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who rightly divides the word of truth. And these men are, are, are wrongly dividing the word of truth and as such should be ashamed, the Bible says. And if you teach things that are opposite of what the apostles taught to the early church, inspired by the Spirit, what Jesus taught, then you should be ashamed of yourself and you're displeasing to God. And that's for any of the religious uh, people that may jump on and watch me teach this to you because of the title. And I think, well, he, he's preaching a false, a false gospel. No, I'm reading plainly what Paul taught the early church. Let me give you this. I mean, you go back to Jacob. When God, when God was blessing people, and they did things by a stipulation, Lord, I'm believing that if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this for you. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. Look at Genesis 28. I'll finish here. I'm going to pray for you. But Jacob, this is Abraham's grandson, did this. God, notice, God didn't rebuke him for doing this. He blessed him for doing this. Didn't rebuke him for doing this. Blessed him for doing this. Genesis 28, 20 and 21. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will keep me in the way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear. You're going to look back at Jacob and say, Jacob was so shallow. Jacob was such a shallow follower of God. 
because he said, Lord, if you'll give me clothing. You know, God cares. God doesn't mind clothing you. God doesn't mind feeding you. God doesn't mind giving you a nice house to live in, a car to drive. You think those things are a big deal to God? The Bible says that if he gave us Christ and if he gave us the Holy Spirit, how much more will he not freely give us all things? The real gift was Jesus. The real gift was the Holy Spirit. Those are precious, eternally precious gifts that nothing can match. And if he's willing to give that, his own precious son, will he not freely give us all things? If God was willing to send his only son to be tortured and killed on your behalf, you think he's got an issue giving you a car? You think he's got an issue giving you a house? He doesn't care about a house and a car, financial blessings, nothing compared to him giving you Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate gift. Notice Jacob, if you'll be with me, keep me in the way that I'll go. Give me bread to eat, clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I'll give you a full tenth, a tithe. This was a conditional tithe. If you'll bless me, if you'll keep me, if you'll clothe me, if you'll feed me, I'll serve you and I'll give you a tenth. God didn't rebuke him for that. When Jabez prayed, Lord, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, you know, be with me, keep me from all that. God didn't rebuke him for that. He just blessed him. God didn't rebuke Jacob. He blessed him. God wants you to have an expectation of his goodness. He wants you to have an expectation that he can take care of you. He can provide for you. But I want you to see this. It is based upon what we do in our obedience. That's, this is why I'm, I'm teaching this so hard. I don't want to see Christians struggling because they don't understand the system. This is how the system works. That God wants you to have an expectation as you sow seed. And as you sow that seed, the Bible says God's the one who curates his own system, takes the seed, multiplies the seed sown, brings it back as a harvest. You should have expectation every time you sow, every time. I'm telling you, this is going to be the greatest financial year God's faithful people have ever seen. I'm declaring that for myself and for others that are engaging his system. It'll be the greatest financial year. Do you know I stopped praying a long time ago and saying, God, I pray that you would bless me more than I've ever been blessed. God, send the largest harvest that I've ever had. In Jesus' name, I ask you, Lord, bless me. No, I stopped praying like that because I began to realize that the harvest is not, doesn't come because of prayer. The harvest comes because of seed. The harvest doesn't come by prayer. The harvest comes by seed. Woo. Please, but last thing I'll have you put in the comments, put it in your notes. The harvest doesn't come by prayer. The harvest comes by seed. The harvest, did you know that's true period? That's not just true financially, that's true period. So what about the harvest of souls? Yeah, the harvest of souls out in the world, they don't come through prayer. They come through seed. What's the seed? The Bible tells us what the seed is. Mark chapter four, the sower went out to sow the word. Romans chapter 10, how can they believe on something they've never heard? It takes a preacher who's preaching the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is a seed that goes out, the Bible says. A seed. You can't reap a harvest of souls if you've not sown the seeds of the gospel. Can't do it. 
The harvest doesn't come by prayer. You can pray all you want, God save America, God save America. We're going to get out and do the work. In fact, when Jesus encouraged his disciples, what did he tell them? He didn't say, listen, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So pray, just pray that the harvest start, starts coming in. No, he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers out into the harvest field to reap the harvest. What's the prayer for? The prayer is for laborers to go and sow the seed of the gospel. That's the prayer. I need laborers that will go out and sow the seed of the gospel. It's true, period. The harvest doesn't come by praying. The harvest comes by sowing. Seed brings in the harvest. Amen. I know there's people that have been watching me today. The Lord's already dealing with you about sowing seed today. In fact, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity today to do what we're teaching on. This is going to be the greatest year you've ever had, but you've got to take the Lord at his word and sow seed. I'm telling you, I'm sowing like a crazy person this year. <laughs> I've been sowing like a crazy person this year. Sowing more, far more than I've ever sown. Far more than we've, the church, and we just launched it. We're not sowing like a church plant. We're sowing like a church that's walking in blessing, because we are. And our church will be extremely and abundantly blessed because of our sowing. Amen. We're not going to ever be that church like, well, we just expect you to give to us. No, our church gives. Our church blesses the poor. Our church is a sowing church. Amen. This ministry is a sowing ministry in every way, shape, and form. We're not just a tithing ministry. We're a sowing ministry. Amen. And I'm sowing like a madman in 2023. You know why? We're going to have harvests come back like we've never seen in 2023. God's going to do some of the biggest things you've ever seen in your life in 2023. And so, Father, I pray, speak to every person. You've already spoken to many about what you would have them to do. And so, Lord, today, as they step out by faith, as they sow seed, I thank you that as they look at where you've placed them, they know personally what it is to sow generously from where they're at currently. And because they are, a generous harvest is coming back. Generous harvests are coming to us. Bountiful harvests are coming to us. We're bountiful sowers in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise. Amen. Listen, there's the information on the screen. You can go to miracleword.com and sow your seed there. And um, for everybody that is sowing, this is, um, is today the 31st or the 30th? We got two more days, today and tomorrow in May. Uh, but we have this gift that we want to give you, Dr. Reinhard Bonnke's autobiography, Living a Life of Fire. This is not only faith building, but this is one of the most interesting books to read because it's written, it feels like you're reading a novel, but I mean, his life was not only full of faith, but amazing. The things God did through him, amazing. And it'll build your faith. It's our gift to you after you've sown seed. Uh, claim that. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And, um, We'll get it out to you ASAP. That's right. Vera said, uh, you can't pray to God for a fit body. You got to get into the gym, eat right, get enough rest with good habits for this to happen. That's right. The seeds are in the consistency of what we put. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's always by our consistent habits of doing what is commanded in scripture. You know, even that's commanded in scripture. The Bible says physical exercise profits a little. Well, that's in comparison to godliness, but it, pro it profits. Because your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Amen. Now, you should sow your time and talent. Someone commented, I may not have the finances to sow, but I have been sowing time and talent. The reason that you, and I'm just going to say this because it's what the Bible teaches. If you don't have finances to sow, it's because you've not been sowing. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, we just read it, he gives seed to the sower. So if I were that person, I would say, Lord, forgive me for not properly sowing like I should have been. Because if he said he would give you seed to sow, that means that he gave it to you and you ate your seed. Because God's not a liar. He gives seed to the sower. So if he's given you seed and you've consumed it upon yourself, then just say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've eaten my seed. Continue to give me seed to sow and I will sow the seed. Amen. Because yes, we should give our time and talent. Yes, we should. But at the same time, and I understand that there are uh, things that happen in life and people go through different seasons. I totally get all that. But if you're living a constant life where you're, you're saying, well, I just give my time and talent, I don't give my finance. No, there should be every level of your life should be a, areas of sowing in every part of your life. Every part of your life. Mendy said, I just got a $20,000 pay raise three months after consistently tithing. Praise the Lord, Mendy. Mendy Buckingham Burgess. That is a wonderful testimony. Just got a $20,000 pay raise three months after consistently tithing. Amen. God honors his word. Praise God, Karen. Thank you, Janine. You can use that. I forgot about that, but you can use hashtag donate in the comments on Facebook and Twitter, I think still allows that. Uh, hashtag donate and then the amount you'd like to give. Of course, the digital ways are on the website. Even if you'd like to mail a check, there's still somebody that's going to send in a $100,000 check. The Lord spoke to me about this when I was in Fredericksburg. Two things. The one person already showed up with the 10000 the Lord's raising up somebody that's going to sow a $100,000 seed. Supernatural, what God's been doing. And so I'm telling you, get ready for big things. Get ready. How many can believe with me, this will be a year that your credit card debt will be fully paid off. If you've got student loans completely paid off or canceled. If you've got medical bills completely paid off or canceled. This will be a year cars are paid off, homes are paid off, that you'll go from renting to owning in Jesus' name. Just imagine what you're going to do when God has brought you out of that place of owing to owning. Imagine what's going to be like when you go from the place of owing to owning because you've done what the Lord's asked you to do. It's going to be supernatural. You're just going to laugh. You're just going to literally rejoice. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, it's going to be fun, Lenan. She said, that'll be my story, sowing $100,000 seeds regularly in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I've been confessing it for a long time. There's coming a day I'll sow a $1 million offering into the kingdom of God. I'll sow a $1 million offering. But see, here's the key. Don't push it into the future. Because though I have not yet sown a million dollars, I am still pushing myself to the largest possible seeds that I can sow. I'll never get to the place where I can sow a million if I won't sow 10,000. I'll never get to the place where I can sow a million if I won't give 100,000. Start where you are now and watch where God will take you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.